Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Going back to the WBC, you managed this spring. Uh, How'd you like it, and and what'd you learn from it? God, how did I like it? I thought it was the greatest kind of three week to a month stretch I've ever had in the game besides, you know, obviously coming up as a player. Um, It was one of the most nerve wracking things I had ever done just to get up. I thought the first day to address the team and kind of set the tone. I'm a big, like I know, and I don't know how you were. I liked the opening meeting in spring training. Like I wanted my manager to set, set the tone for Mm -hmm. this season. I wanted us to go out for that first stretch with a mindset, a purpose, and a focus. I know, I know that's not that's not sustainable for Buck sixty two. But if if you gave me some generic blah blah speech, I'm like, uh, I guess it's on us. We're not getting any help right. here. So I wanted to kind of set the tone for why they were there. Not check their egos, but don't be searching for an alpha male in the room. We're all we're all alphas. You're all stars. Half of you are going to the Hall of Fame. You guys got Cy Young, all of that. Let's let's all put it all together and come together as a team representing the country. That was number one. What I learned, Brett, is that it's not any different from when me and you were in the dugout. Guys want to be led. They want to be coached. I think they're approached a little bit differently now, but I went at it from an old school mentality. I ran full infield, outfield, and workouts. They hadn't done that in years. Uh, I was big about the hot hand was going to play, and I tried to stay true to that. I felt like in that situation, start of spring training, although I'd want to be loyal to Brett Boone. If you come in my office and go, man, I am 0 for 15, punched out 10 times, and I feel like garbage. Get, me, probably, get me in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to go the other way for sake of the team in that moment. Um, so I shook the lineup up a couple of times, and I didn't overthink it. Mookie Betts and, and uh, Trout, we were doing our first workout in Chase Field in Arizona, and I was kind of hemming and hawing back with with what I was going to do with the lineup because you really couldn't go wrong. But I wanted to make sure that I picked the brains of the players where they like to hit, picked the brains of the managers. And finally, I was standing out there just kind of shagging, and Trout's like, what are you going to do with the lineup tomorrow? 
And I kind of told him, I'm thinking about leading Mookie off or I might lead Trey Turner off or something like that. And they both looked at me and they were like, don't overthink it. Get me and Mookie. Mike said, get me and Mookie to the plate, one, two, and then slot it in. So then, you know, it kind of took some pressure off that these guys wanted that. Right. Kind of to take that on their shoulders. And then I knew Goldie was going to hit third and, and Nolan Arenado to, in talking to him, I did it. I thought that one thing I did right was soon as I was named manager in August, I started to chip away at like getting to know these guys with phone calls, not mm-hmm. crazy, but like I talked to maybe everyone on the roster, one or two, maybe three times before they showed up. I, I wanted them to feel like they knew me. Uh, and, and in doing that, you get a feel for him. Like, Arenado lights up hitting fourth. I didn't know that. Like, he wants to hit fourth in any lineup he's in. So I kind of ran with that. I didn't overthink the righty-lefty, righty-lefty, righty-lefty thing, even though I do believe in that. I felt like these guys were just too talented to worry about splits. Right. And and you mentioned, really, when you have that level of talent in, in yeah. one place, you really can't go wrong. Right. It's it was like the pitch. It was the pitching that was right. so hard. Right. trying to honor the clubs, getting them back healthy, right. building them up. But also there's a result to the game. So it's like there were moments where I had to leave guys in there a lot longer than before we got to Miami than I would have liked to because I was obligated to their parent club to get mm-hmm. them 50, 60 pitches out there. So that was the tough. That was the tough rub of it. And notice you played a long time. You went to the postseason, I think, at least six times. Um, but there was a difference in different managers I played for. I, I talked to Bruce Bochy recently, and I played for Boach one year in 2000 in San Diego. And he said, I asked him what he learned. You mentioned that the, the Giants went in that 10, <clears throat> that 10 World Series. They won 10, 12, and 14, three and a, yeah. you know, unprecedented run they made. And I said, Boach, what'd you learn from that first World Series with the, with the Padres? And he said, I learned that I needed to manage with uh, with the urgency once I got to the postseason. And it kind of dawned on me because I remember the first time, you know, I played for Davey Johnson in in, uh, in Cincinnati, went to the postseason there. I got to Atlanta. Obviously, we both played for Bobby Cox. And Bobby, talking about that opening day, talk he'd have i remember bobby cox i came in me and a couple guys brian jordan we were new to the team and he said uh and for booney and and jordan he goes uh we here in atlanta what we do is i put the lineup up every day and we steamroll our opponent (laughs) and we win the division which they did like 10 years in a row it was kind of cool hearing that i'm like this is kind of gonna be fun plus i don't have to face the three-headed monster and but we got to the postseason and i noticed bobby managed differently yeah. And at the time as a player, I had never seen that because you're right. The players, ball players are ball players, And it doesn't matter if it's now 20 years ago, 40, 60 years ago. It, once you're a ball player, you're always a ball player at heart. And you, you're right. You want to be led in a certain capacity. Now, certain teams, veteran teams that are so hardened, they kind of run their own show. But for the most part, us as players, we're looking at that skipper. It's almost like we're watching the fl- we're watching the flight attendant when there's turbulence and you're not a and you're not a frequent flyer. You're seeing if that flight attendant starts to panic, you start to worry. Same with that. 
I yeah. thought that that first trip, Bobby managed different once we got to the postseason. He didn't say much during the season. It was pretty much go out and win every day. And he got to the postseason. I saw a little more urgency. What do you think about that? I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You want to be loyal to the guys that have brought you there. I always felt like, listen, I wanted to look down and I wanted to be able to close my eyes and kind of think along with Bobby Cox and Bruce Bochy and Tony LaRusa. And for the most part, those Hall of Fame type managers, you do. You know who's coming out of the bullpen. You know who's double switching in the game when we add that in the National League. You kind of had a feel for how they were going to run the game. And then in the postseason, I feel like all bets are off. We're trying to, you can't, you got to kind of check your ego at the door. You're going to run your dudes out there. But at the end of the day, you there's got to be more urgency from a pitching standpoint to let's get to the bullpen super quick. The one thing I, 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 I kind of learned there, multiple things. You got to delegate authority. I had an unbelievable staff and we didn't always agree on everything, but I knew when the dust settled, if I was going to sleep at night, it had to go my way. There was multiple times where I played the infield in where Jerry Manuel was my bench coach and didn't necessarily agree with that. Um, I understood that, but I still was like, all right, I'm not going to sleep tonight if we don't play the infield in right here. In that situation, I had Andy Pettit as the pitching coach who would constantly, he's pitched in every big game known to man. So he would come to me and whisper to me, hey, just be ready. This guy doesn't have it tonight or he's a little short or, hey, he looks good. I had Mikey Young there talking to the hitters about, you know, potential pinch hitting and, and defensive replacements. Brian McCann from a catching and pitching perspective. There was just so many avenues. Once I was able to relax and delegate some of that authority that I felt like everything started to really roll and I could just focus on Showing no panic, number one, and creating an energy. Because I always feel like when you got, I wasn't an all, I wasn't a perennial all star. So when you guys get around each other, there's this feeling out process. Like I'm sure when you walked into those all star clubhouses to get dressed, <laughs> it's there's like, like dog, this, dog there's a the weirdness. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to eliminate that. Like right. we got to eliminate that. I was. Would I love to, for example, we're facing a lefty and I'm dying to play Pete Alonzo, but he wasn't necessarily swinging a good bat at that time. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, man, Schwarber's such a dude in this clubhouse and the guys love him. And I see the way they gravitate to him and he's swinging a better bat. I know it, I know it doesn't look great on paper analytically to go left on left, but I'm, I'm doing it. I kind of, there was things where I felt like, analytically based in some certain areas, but definitely gut based in a lot of it. I think from the, from all the managers I played for the best. And when asked this question, I've never managed. I know what I'd do if I did. You talk about the analytics, the game has changed since yeah. I broke into this game. It's still a game. It's still baseball. <laughs> you know, I always say that baseball players are still baseball players. It doesn't matter what era. Games change. Analytics have gotten much more into the game. And I think if for the people out there that just uh, are old school and just dismiss analytics uh, at face value, I, th I think that's an ignorant approach. I think that has to be in the equation. 
but you mentioned gut. The great managers at crunch time when the analytics don't add up, but you've got a burning desire. You make that tough call at that tough time. I think the great ones have the ability to do that. Because managing, you know, every year there's going to be, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, there's dismissals every year. Yeah, yeah, it's not fair. It is fair. Somebody had to go, whatever. But the bottom line is us, the players in that clubhouse, we make or break you, man. We don't sit around. How many times you had a beer after the game, D-Row, and sit around and go, man, Skip really screwed us tonight. <laughs> Doesn't happen. You know, I, I didn't get the runner in from third. It's never... Oh, Skip, how could he have made that? You know, <laughs> you might be pissed before the game. I don't like hitting in this position or that position. But not too many times do we sit around and it's it's the manager's fault. It's us as players. The manager, his main role is to set the tone. And I just think the great the great managers, you know, when everything's against, when the, all the analytics say one thing, but your gut tells you another and they make the call. You know, uh, that's to me that those are the great ones. Those are the tough calls yeah. to make, but they're the calls that have to be made. And that separates you from a difference maker for me in the in the managerial sense. I think managers run the room. They read the room. We You, you live with your team for 162 games. You got to know what makes those guys tick. You got to set the tone in that room. You don't treat people the same. This isn't Little League where everybody's treated equally. It's I've got to kick, I got to stick my foot in that guy's ass and I got to give this guy a hug. And, yep. and, and a result of that's going to be the same result. I'm going to get the same result because if I kick this guy in the butt, he might, he, he might get in the fetal position and quit on me. Well, this whole idea that everyone's got to be super comfortable to oh, get the best gosh. For them is no. not reality. No. Fear of failure is why half of us go out there and grind the way we do, putting yourself out in front of the entire world uh, every night. Um, that's why you want to play well for your teammates. So until I remember Chipper said to me, you want to you want to play in the card game, get a hit that helps us win a ball game. You know, get a hit that matters. I want you comfortable. Don't get me wrong. We're not we're not going to try and bully you or pick on you. But if you think you're getting treated like Brett Boone hitting 40 plus bombs, that that no, you got to help us win ball games. I'll, I'll say this about the analytics, man. I, I I'm all in on it. I want all the information I can get. Some of it's useless. Some of it you can really dive in, dive in on. But the minute that analytic person loses sight of the fact that they've never been in the box, that's when you lose me. Because, and you know this, it having real life experience to be in that moment when you're the only game in town and your whole city's watching you, everybody you ever grew up's watching you, everybody who's ever liked, loved, or hated you is watching you. <laughs> no, you don't know what that feels like unless you've been in that moment and whether you succeeded or failed. So to sit there and tell me that you could spit out what is going to happen in this game is not true. That's not re that's not rooted in reality. It, it, I get it. They're they're real numbers on what Brett can hit a slider. Let's say, but can <laughs> my pitcher execute it with fifty thousand people in Seattle breathing right. down his throat? I don't right. know if he can. And if he hangs it, it's getting booked oppo. So don't come at me. 
without real life experience and speak so matter of fact. That's my only, that's my only thing. But again, that comes back to people, right? If you surround yourself with great people who kind of bounce ideas off each other, there is a lot to love about diving in on the numbers and seeing what you can and can't do and, and positioning your defense. And, and I'll say this, kind of bouncing back to WBC, when you watch the hitter have to face three to four different looks, they had a lot of trouble with it. So I don't love the bullpen games by any stretch. I love the big dog starters and having them go deep and then bringing in your guys. But, man, the moments where I had to go to the pen based on pitch count and show good hitters three or four different looks, I I, I saw a massive value in that. And I think, too, you know, when they first started this bullpen game, and, yeah. and you know, kind of Tampa Bay was kind of the epitome of it. And I, it, it always went back to this. I said, there's a reason guys are in the bullpen. The best pitchers in the world are starting pitchers. So, yes, the bullpen pitchers can be nasty. But all it takes in a bullpen game is one guy to have an off night. Yeah, and tough. if I got my ace, he's not going to walk you. I got a better chance. And, and that's what I used to think about. Now I, I think about it a little bit differently in a WBC situation where you've yeah, got more of an all you got an all-star quality. You don't just have the run of the mill Kansas City fifth six guy. No, you're it getting, was you're getting name closer, guys that, closer, closer, right, closer. Right. It's, like, it's, tough, right. it's a it's a different ball game when you've got that level of talent. But I'll I'll make one more point on the manager thing. Played for Davey Johnson. Yeah. And we butted heads when I was a kid. You know, I'd come to park and, you know, I couldn't stand him. And I think he, you know, at the time I'm thinking he can't stand me. And we're just, we're two second basements. And man, he would push my buttons, Mark. And I didn't understand it. And I had some really 94 and 95. The two years I had Davey, I had really good years under him. You know, I was a young player, but I always had this, oh, Davey Johnson. Years later, I kind of reflected back on those days and I appreciated it. And I thought, now I understand what he was doing because I, I was always like, why does he treat me different than he treats Barry Larkin? You know, we're both in the middle infield. Yeah. Well, there was a reason for that. And years later, I talked to Davey about it and he said, Booney. Yeah. He, I knew a thing or two before I got to you. And he said, he knew by pushing my buttons, getting a pissed off Brett Booney goes, I knew you played better that way. He goes, but I couldn't do that to, you know, this is, this isn't what he said, but just for example purposes, he says, I can't, if I treat Reggie Sanders that way, I don't get the same result, but I knew that going in. And I had a new appreciation for Davey Johnson and probably skill wise, the whole package, probably the best manager I ever played for. And I, I was fortunate to play for a lot, a lot of guys, you know, Lou, Lou being my favorite of all time for my for my brief two stints with Lou. Uh, he could be your favorite if you're hitting 40 bombs. Oh, but I had a relationship with him in the end where it, it was awesome because he would just, he would just I mean, mid game, oh. hero, Lou would look at me and go, Hey, guys, he goes, If you're waiting on Boone today, you're going to be waiting a long time because he ain't got it. And I was looking at Skip and I'd go, Skip, I'm only 0 for 2. That got exactly. two more. He goes, I I'd be impressed if you got one hit. <laughs> hey, but I we played, had, you, you get to that relationship point, and it's pretty yeah. it's pretty cool. 
I played for both of those guys. I had Lou in Chicago. Oh, okay. That was at the end. Yeah. 07, 08. And I've got a bunch of funny stories about Lou. Oh, but he's unbelievable. The best one ever was like, you know, I finally signed my first multi-year deal. I'm going to be playing every day. And I'm super jacked. And go out opening day and go two for four. And then I come back in for game two and I'm not in the lineup. And I had been a utility guy my entire career. So it's like, man, I was ready to play. So I just walked into his office day two. And he turned around and he was doing a crossword in his underwear. He threw his hands in the air. He's like, what could you possibly want game two? And I'm like, I want in the lineup. I've been waiting my whole life. I'm 30 years old to get off the bench. I I know what that feels like. I just went two for four. I want to play. He goes, oh, you want to play? Okay. He walks out in the middle, of, calls a meeting, rips the lineup down, tells everyone that I want to play, then like proceeds to st- go, if you don't get a hit, you ain't playing. <laughs> oh, said, that sounds I, like him. I, I ended up doing all right that game. I think I went like one for three with a ribby, and he left me alone for the rest of my time there. D-Row, he loves that. He I was like blown away. I was like, I don't know if I'm getting released or he loves me. It's one or the other. If Lou Pinella respects you as a man and a ball player, it's got (laughs) to be both. It can't just be one. That man will take a bullet for you. (laughs) But if he doesn't, you're gone. He will pound you into the ground and you'll (laughs) never be heard of again. He's unbelievable. Oh, God. You think in this 12 teams, you think there's a difference maker manager in the 12? That's kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but is there a difference maker? A lot of good ones. I mean, if there's one, it's Boach, right? Probably. I think a lot of a lot of their stuff, a, a lot of these managers' stuff is done pre-game. I mean, I, I, I look at the Rays. Kevin Cash is one of the best at getting his guys to buy into what they're trying to do. But their matchups are pretty pretty spot on. I don't think, uh, trying to think, top bracket. Milwaukee Council's really good, too. How about Council, too? Council, he's excellent. He's excellent. He's a free agent. Yeah. And he's about to start the postseason with the Milwaukee Brewers, who he's been with for a lot of years now. And, and he's fielding questions about other openings. You know, how, how, is that a distraction for him? They're already talking I, I, about Yeah, it. I don't think to, so. I, yeah. don't th- I think, he's, I think pretty, he's a pro. He's a yeah, pro. I think he's pretty confident in what he brings to the table. If not Milwaukee backing it up for him, then obviously there's a lot of whispers about the Mets. But I would think for me, if I'm with the Rangers, bunch of guys who haven't played in the postseason before, like you said, to look down at the end of the bench and know that guy's got three. Yeah. He's not going to be the reason we don't win this or lose this. You know, he'll put us in the proper situations to be successful. Uh, Show Walter moving on from New York. Yeah. Kapler moving on. Uh, got fired at the San Francisco Giants. Our boy Nev. That, that can't, I, I hadn't talked I, to Phil. I haven't talked to Phil in about it. I left him alone for. I left him alone. I don't know. I can't say that I expected that. I, you know, I, I was hoping for him. I'm like, yeah, you know, you got to give him more of a chance. I didn't really I don't have think a he feeling. Deserved it. 
No, I don't think so either. I don't. That's think my so problem, Nev. You know, for a lot of people, Nev's a good baseball man. He's a baseball man. He went he down is. to the minors and managed over a thousand games. This is something he truly wanted to do and be great at. He's been third base coach. He he's kind of checked all the boxes to get up there and do it. I mean, there, damn it, Rendon goes down, Trout goes down, Otani goes down, his pitching staff, I mean, you, you know, in that you division, do. Once again, it's the players. It's the players. It always is the players. Where are you really going? So he kept them playing hard. He kept them invested. I know he fought to the bitter end. Yeah, I, I thought, who who's going to come in? What are, you, what are you doing? You're not rebuilding. So, like, let I didn't agree with that one. Uh, Tito is walking away. Yeah. Uh, what a great career he's had. But any any other changes out there might happen. Any any catch your eye that ah, I'm going to keep an eye on this this team for a change. Or you think I mean, we're I wanna, done? I, I want to. I want to see San Diego. I want to see what Melvin does. It's going to be interesting with Farhad and San Francisco. Their relationship yeah. in the Oakland days. Interesting. Booney, how did they not win? Is that unbelievable? Come I on. still can't. I still, you look at it, they pitched way better than I thought they'd pitch. Mm-hmm. They got what I thought going into the season was hands down the best offense in baseball. They stayed relatively healthy. And they, Dero, it's not that they didn't doesn't win. doesn't make any they sense. Were, they weren't even close. I know, and it doesn't close. make sense. They were talking about, oh, we've tied players' meetings. Well, have you said the right things? Right. Like, what are we honestly talking about here? Like, it comes down to the players at the end of the day. Bob Melvin's been there, done that. I mean, what 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 moves could he have possibly made to, unless just try and create some energy, some form or fashion? But they've been, for me, the most disappointing team. Um, you'll see a situation where they got they 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 can't have that many so-called superstars under one roof. I think you see Soto get moved this offseason. They got to figure out their pitching. I'm going to throw this at you because I I just was asked this question. I've been thinking about it a lot, that dynamic. I live in San Diego, so I I hear the buzz on a daily basis. And and I was shocked this year, not only not making it, but just the way – I mean, they almost lost to the Dodgers by 20 games. Dodgers are a great team, I think. But with that roster <laughs> missing out on the division by 20 games to the Dodgers, it's ridiculous. But I thought about some things. You've got a, you've got young, big-time talented players with a Soto, uh, a Tatis, um, a veteran in Machado, another superstar, and you bring in Bogarts. Tatis has the scandal of two years ago. You know, he's got a lot of amends to make with his team. No doubt. He comes back. He sits out a year. He comes back hat in hand, makes his amend with his teammates. He's kind of on his best behavior. Do whatever it takes. But you got to remember, this guy signed a contract over $300 million, and he's in his early 20s. He's still a kid. I give him a ton of credit, though, moving to right field. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, go there. You know, playing in the middle infield, there's a little bit of ego that comes with that. No doubt. Especially a shortstop. But a second baseman, I think back to the the when I was at the top of my game in my prime, and you said, "Hey, Booney, for the good of the team, could you just go play first? I would be like, "Who you got that's going to be better at second? 
I just know how it it we tick, and especially in the middle infield. This is a young stud, man. I, I look at Tatis, and, you know, when you're talking about talent, I think of an Acuna. I think about this Julio Rodriguez yeah. in, in Seattle. These are, these are, if everything goes good and you stay healthy, these are Hall of Fame players. And all of a sudden say, you know, I, I need you to play right field and be happy with it. Now, coming off the scandal and the stuff getting suspended for a year, like I said, he's just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll just go play right field. How much did it really affect him, though? You know, I take a, 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 a different case, not as high profile of a case, but a Cronenworth, up and coming second baseman. He went and played first base, and now Kim plays second. So on paper, you've got a gold glove infield with Bogarts, Machado rounding it out. But was everybody healthy? You know, as a player, uh, you know, as an ex-player, as an analyst doing this, you you get you talk to the players, you have a feeling, but you never truly know the real story unless you're one of those 26 guys thoughts yeah I, you know it's funny i feel like aj preller know obviously identifies talent has an owner that's willing to spend and then it's like here bob melvin here's the roster i don't know where it all supposed to play but it's super talented so it's like i always felt as a utility guy i came up never playing i didn't play one inning off shortstop from high school all the way until the big leagues. And then for Kyle showed up and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta move around a little bit here. So that's kind of how that, but you want to check me out mentally, tell me to go play left field. Tell me to go play right field after seeing what the pitches are banter with you. Like I got the bag, you got the bag. We're in on this. And then I'm standing in right field. You feel like that kid little league. You're the last guy. (laughs) You're the last guy. (laughs) I thought he was going to check out mentally. That was my fear. Right. So for him to like kind of go out there and then de- analytically, he's like the best. Yeah, he was good. But I expect that out of a world-class shortstop. I expect that. But then right. to move Cronenworth to first, I think so a little bit of, I, I don't know Jake that well, but he doesn't have the offensive profile to really carry first base, right? Like, is he comfortable over there? Kim is a really good player. He really is. He's a Listen, talented. You can move him is anywhere. one of my favorite players, but I felt like it threw everything into to a tizzy. Like it, it, it forced everyone to have to like adjust, and I don't think you necessarily needed to add him at that. But they, they did, did what they did. Yeah, they did what they did. And I played for for Bo Mel. Uh, Melvin, I had him his rookie year as a manager in, in Seattle in 03, 04. I love playing for Bob. He, he's a very mild-mannered guy, uh, but but he's got a pretty impressive resume. He's had a lot of success. So I know that that Bob wasn't the one in there disrupting it, and, and the problem. You know, he's a problem solver. So, yeah, it's interesting. And it seems like every year, you know, there's one of those things that you just scratch your head and go, I don't know that how that happened. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.